Hey, stay on your feet. We've been sitting for a while. Lord, we just want to lift our hearts to you. We thank you for this day, for the riches of all that we've received. Lord, for our desire to kingdomize everything. We just want Jesus to be Lord of all. We want you to be glorified, Lord, every arena of our lives. And so thank you for this rich investment. And Lord, we just want to act on it right now. And so, Lord, in this last session, as we lay hands on people, as we do business with you, as we move from the listening stage, the informational stage, to the impartational stage, Lord, we ask you to touch and to seal and to confirm and to change and to bring breakthrough. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room, even now in a powerful way, to open our eyes and most of all to deal with our hearts and give us a vision to see things that we've never seen before, and to step out in faith and to join you in some exciting new ventures for the future. So we love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, give somebody a hug before you sit down because it's Living Stones. You have to do that. Somebody needs a hug today. Hey, this, uh, this was a banner week for Living Stones. In addition to today and the marketplace, some of you know on Wednesday of this week, we hosted a public square kind of uh, governmental meeting. And uh, if you go back to the spheres of authority and you want to understand at least how we operate at Living Stones, remember uh, when we saw that chart, and I don't know if it's up there, we don't have to go up there, but remember there was education, for instance. How many of you know that Jesus is Lord of education? So what do we have going on here at Living Stones? Well, we have two homeschool co-ops meeting in our building. It'd be great if we had like five homeschool co-ops. We could fit them in every day of the week. I mean, I halfway joke, but uh, the building is for that because we believe Jesus is Lord of education. We had a governmental meeting Wednesday night because we believe we should have godly people leading our nation. We're having this meeting because we believe Jesus is Lord of the marketplace, and the marketplace is where great things happen. Uh, We have marriage and family ministry because we believe if your marriages aren't strong, how in the world are you going to lead your business well? And I so appreciate it. Hotam, give me five, dude. Did you see that great vulnerability there? The man teared up. He wasn't thinking about bagels or nothing. He was thinking about Chelsea. He teared up. He got vulnerable, and he made some, and you know what? When you got done talking, you should have seen the smile on your wife's face because that's, that says that matters more than anything else in the whole world. That's godly leadership right there. That is so awesome. Don't let it go to your head. All right. Uh, why do we have life groups? Because relationships are the currency of the kingdom. Why do we do all this stuff? Every, I want you to know, every single thing that we're doing here is so multifaceted because Jesus cannot be compartmentalized in the local church. And, and what we're sharing, and we have to hear this over and over again, what we're sharing is absolutely radical because it's blowing up the old paradigms that many of us were raised in. And I just want to talk today a little bit about about building the bridge between the pulpit and the marketplace so that you understand some of the sacred cows we're trying to kill and some of the paradigms we're trying to raise up really to liberate you and to liberate the church to be the way Jesus wants the church to be. I think this is the most exciting stuff on planet Earth. And for some of you, I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. I don't know how this might be like, what in the world are we talking about today? Kingdom this and bringing Jesus to work and all this kind of crazy stuff. Um, I don't know where you're at. But the first step for some of you at this commissioning time would be just to fully surrender your life to Jesus and say, Lord, I don't understand all of this. 
but it's really exciting, and I want to, I want to partner with you. So, you know, when we talk about commission, we talk about being called, if most of you have been in the church setting, you, what comes to your mind is when we ordain a pastor or we pray over some missionaries and we get ready to send them out. And I'm looking at Pastor Aaron. I remember when we ordained Pastor Aaron. I remember my own ordination. I remember Pastor Andrew. These are, these are significant moments. In fact, we invite the whole church to come out. I mean, uh, we hear the word of the Lord spoken over us. We, we respond that we believe we're called by God. We have leadership of the church gather around us. They lay hands on us. They say, we recognize the call of God on your life. The whole church confirms the fact that this individual is called to do whatever it is that, that we're commissioning them to do. I mean, it's like a big deal. But just what Pastor Andrew said, we don't ever apply that mentality to the marketplace. And so it seems like we create this, this clergy laity false understanding that somehow I'm the spiritual one. And you guys are just marketplace peons, all right? What's really important is what happens at church, not really what's happening in your business. We don't say, say it that way, but it just gets communicated over and over subtly to where you almost feel like, well, I'm not really a religious guy like Pastor Ron. You know, I'm a, I go, I'm a plumber, I'm an electrician, I'm a whatever. And I don't really relate to all that religious stuff at church. Uh, and then in some denominations, you wear funny clothes, you know, when you go to church. So you got gowns and clerical collars and hats and wigs and incense. And, and you know, the typical guy's going, okay, I can't relate at all. That's, that never happens in, in the marketplace, all right? That, that is just not part of my gig. So we got this clergy-laity distinction. How many of you know here's another false dichotomy, the sacred-secular? So what we do here at church is sacred, but what you guys do in public school or in the marketplace or government, that's secular. But how many of you know that's a lie from hell too? Because if Jesus Christ is Lord of all, there is no such thing as secular anything. Everything's sacred because it all belongs to him. That's a radical idea. And let me just tell you something. When you actually start living this, it's highly controversial. And you'll be one of those people that goes to that church. Now, I've learned to take this as a, as a compliment because I just noticed we were in the Chicago Tribune. Or it, yeah, yeah, the Chicago Tribune. Because we had some secret spies show up at our political meeting on Wednesday night. And I was just glancing through the headlines and it said, churches li living on the blurry line between church and state, something like that. And I'm like, oh, I want to find out about that. And, and then I read the article, it was about us. <laughs> And, and there's my name in the paper, and now you're all guilty by, you know, association. And, but I'm just telling you, when we're doing it right, there's spiritual attacks. I want to say this again. When you're doing it right, there's opposition. And I was so proud of you guys when you opened up your business and you said, Pastor, would you come and dedicate the business? Because it wasn't a Nicodemus dedication. You all know when Nicodemus, he came to Jesus under the cover of night. No, you guys said, hey, we're inviting the mayor, and we're inviting all these people. We're throwing a party. But Pastor Ron, would you come? And we want to commit our business to Jesus publicly. I'm like, God honors stuff like that, not just the symbolism of it, but the substance of it. And so there's no compartments. This is, this is what we're trying to get across. There's no compartments. There's not Sunday Jesus stuff, and then the rest of the week is just me running my business. That does not exist once you bow your knee to Christ. It's all Jesus. Everything's Jesus. And it's all partnering with him. And everything's holy and everything's sacred and everything's awesome. And you're awesome. And here's the point. Your call is just as sacred as my call. And you got to hear this. That's why this gathering 
is a gathering of generals in the marketplace. It's, a, it's anointed called people who are going to go places that I will never go in my call. But you're there every day. And, and I want you to hear from us at Living Stones. It matters to us to know how to get into your world better so we know how to serve you better because you're not here to serve my vision. We're actually here to serve your vision. We're actually here to partner with his vision, if the truth be told. But posturing is very important. So let's focus on what we have in common just very quickly. How many of you know we have the same mission in common? The mission you have and the mission I have are not different missions. Well, what is the mission? Matthew 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, can I also add to you that the disciples he's talking to, there's not a clergyman among them. He's giving this commission to a group of people like you guys. They're, they're marketplace people. They're people that ran fishing businesses. There's a zealot in there. There's all kinds of crazy people in there, but none of them were clergy. Jesus came and told his disciples, the marketplace folks, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That was not spoken to pastors. That was spoken to leaders, community leaders, marketplace leaders. Teach these new disciples to obey everything that I've commanded you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So how many know that's your mission and that's my mission? That's why we're here together. How many know we have the same Lord? His name is Jesus Christ, our risen King. Whether you're running a business or leading a church, same Lord. How many know we have the same Holy Spirit power? That's why I love when, when the market chair, or, uh, yes, that's your guys' name, right? No, that's our name. Kingdom at Work. I was getting confused. When the Kingdom at Works folk come here, and they, they basically teach us how to activate the prophetic. I love it. Talk about a mind-blowing thing. We could have a prophetic person come in. We have lots of them. And everybody would go, wow, that guy's a spiritual guy. He's so religious. I could never move in the prophetic. But when you have guys that build houses for a living, come and teach you how to listen to the Holy Spirit. I mean, no, there's no excuses then. Then it's just an invitation to an exciting future with the Holy Spirit. And I like to tell people the same Holy Spirit that was on me when I preached, hopefully on Sunday, was the same Holy Spirit that was filling my mouth with words when I ran for public office. It's the same anointing, and that's the same anointing that he gives you. How many of you know we have the same gifts of the Spirit, which I like to call kingdom power tools? I love it. You know, watching, we went out for some breakfast with Walter and Madon, and I know what he's doing. He's... Asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, what do you want me to say to the waitress? What do you want me to say to Pastor Ron? What do you want me to say to anybody? Lord, who do you want me to encourage? And just loving people, engaging people, and being sensitive to what God's saying at that moment. How many know you can do that in the business arena all day long and watch the power of God move through you because it's the same Holy Spirit? In fact, I challenge you, read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read through the book of Acts and do a study. Find out how many miracles took place in church and how many miracles took place outside of church. I mean, I'm serious. We're going to lay hands on you, and this is what I want you to begin to have faith for, that you can pray for people in the marketplace, and God will save them, God will heal them, God will deliver them, God will use you in supernatural ways, and you're going, wow, I can't believe that happened. I I don't have any pastoral training. You don't need pastoral training. Nobody in the Bible had pastoral training except Paul. He was the only one. Nobody else had pastoral training. They They were marketplace people. 
That's why the Bible and the gospel is so relatable to every single one of us. And really, it's an invitation to excitement. So let, let, let me quickly talk about this. Let's talk about how we bridge the pulpit with the marketplace. I like to say it like this. I'm a pulpit minister, but you are a marketplace minister. You are called to minister in a different arena. My arena is in this, primarily in this place, and we'll talk about the strategy. Here's the failed strategy. Follow with me. Get lost people to church, and the pastor can lead them to salvation. Isn't it a ridiculous thing that our goal, we've told you, bring your unsaved friends to church. Why? Why do you want to bring your unsaved friends to church? Would you please lead them? I'm pleading with you. Would you please lead them to Christ first so I don't have to, and then bring them to church so we can actually equip them? But we're trying to bring them into an arena where something magical is going to happen when the magic is with you. I'm just challenging. We create special evangelism teams to go out and witness to total strangers. That's a brilliant idea. We have no relationship with these people. Isn't it better that you have people you work with every day who know you like crazy inside out, that's good or bad, but the people you're with every day, you're loving, you're serving them. If you're a leader of your business, you're helping them grow. You're involved in their lives. Who is more perfectly situated to lead them to Christ than you? But we create these teams and we give them fancy names and we send them out to do stuff that is better done every day in your normal workplace. Because it's natural. Because it's relational. Because you've already built equity. How about this? We make Sunday, the Sunday show, our main focus. Do you know how much money megachurches spend in just turning Sunday into the wow? Shock and awe, light, smoke, everything's polished. We spend all this time. Why in the world would we spend that much time and resources on a Sunday show when we should be really equipping people for the Sunday go? That just came to my mind. I don't know if that was the Holy Spirit or not, but I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Somebody write that down. I'm going to keep that in my notes. All right. How about this? We encourage people to compete for ministry titles and roles within the church. Hey, at the last church, Pastor, I was a deacon. At the last church, I was an elder. At the last church, I was in charge of such, such, such ministry. Pastor, how can I serve you? You probably can't. I can't come up with enough roles in church for all of you to have an important title. But you don't need one. You're already the president of your business. You're heading up this or that or whatever. You're, you have significant roles you already have, but then you come to church and you try to find your identity in the role that the pastor gives you to perform while you're in church for two hours or whatever on a Sunday morning. Do you see what a, what a crazy idea this is? So here's what I would tell you. You're, you're, you know how you're helping me and, and thus helping the Lord? By being your awesome self where you are all week long. And by being fruitful and loving people. And then, yes, bring them to church. Because guess what? You can't do it all by yourself. That's why we need the body. Aren't you glad? My dad, I just back up on Living Stones for just a minute. This church was not started by a clergyman. Started by a football coach. Who led so many of his teacher friends to Christ. And then brought them to the little dead church we were attending at the time that had 
no ministry for them afterwards, but they all had, they all had marriage problems. And so my dad just simply said, we gave these people Jesus, but they can't live together because they don't know how to. So what do you do? He said, let's open up our home and just help their marriages. So here's a school teacher and a homemaker that just had this brilliant idea that they would bring Christ to work with them. And then they were leading people to the Lord. In fact, my dad had such favor. He had, a, he had an atheistic principal. And when there was a tragedy at school and some kids were killed in a car accident, the principal came down to my dad's office or, or classroom because he knew he was overmatched for what was happening. And he said, handle it. And my dad said, what do you mean handle it? And he goes, just handle it. And my dad said, well, you know what's going to happen. There's going to be an all-school assembly to comfort these kids, and you're telling me to handle it. You know what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach the gospel and give these kids hope. So the football coach is standing up in a crisis situation, sharing the good news of Jesus in the public school where supposedly Jesus isn't welcome, but nobody told Jesus that. And, um, and people are getting saved, and kids are coming down and crying. And this is... Listen, this is how church growth is supposed to happen. It's not because we get a good idea in church to go plant a new church. It's because there's so much fruit in the marketplace that the building no longer contains it, and you have to go start something new to contain what God's already doing. You see what I'm talking about? Let me quickly hit a kingdom strategy. Ephesians 4, verse 11. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, fivefold ministry. Their responsibility is this, to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. If you've ever been in our fivefold ministry class, I teach this, I really believe this. Every single one of you has a fivefold functioning, operating in your life. I'm not talking about the office. Don't run around calling yourself apostle, whatever. I, but some of you are apostolic in your wiring. Some of you are prophetic in your wiring. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are nurturers. You're, you're pastoral. Some of you are evangelists. You're gatherers, and you, you have a great way of gathering people. In other words, all five of those gifts that Jesus gave, ascension gifts that he gave to the bride, every one of us has a lead foot and probably a second, a second foot as well. Some of you are gifted in more areas as you mature in Christ. In other words, those gifts are not primarily to find their expression in here. That's how you operate in the marketplace and you succeed. In fact, if you find your niche in your company, you'll be doing something that looks a lot like one of those five-fold gifts. That's where the alignment comes in. So listen, here's what we're doing. When you come to church on Sunday, our, our service is not seeker-sensitive. It doesn't mean we don't ever give altar calls. Every week, as you all know, we have altar ministry. But the messages we are preaching are not for new believers or unsafe people. Because Ephesians 4 says, that's not my job. My job is to equip you to go reach your community and to go reach the marketplace. Not to try to get everybody in the building and hope that something great happens. Your job relationally is to be a carrier of the presence of Jesus. And we're all on the same team. So what happens on Sunday? It's the locker room. It's the equipping. It's the halftime adjustments. It's the discovering who you are. It's impartation. It's encouragement. It's let's go. And then ministry happens all throughout the week. Now, there's great ministry happening in the building. But it's not necessarily your ministry. All right? And that's what I'm trying to get across. Let me go quickly here. How about we lead our coworkers to Christ through lifestyle evangelism because they know us and they love us and they've seen, they've seen the fruit of our lives. How about this? We, we practice the scattered church. 
We're not trying to get everybody under the roof. We're actually trying to shoot everybody out like a shotgun. So we come together during the week, and then we shoot you out in a thousand different directions. How exciting. You're going to places that the person next to you is not going. You're touching people. There's relationships you have with people all across the community that are your relationships, that's your network. What are you doing to maximize your network for the kingdom of God? Scattered church. How about this? Signs and wonders. I want you to start believing God that the people that, that are working with you, I mean, no, the people working with you have some things in common. They're hurting. They have areas of brokenness and pain. They're facing incredible challenges. And sometimes you just saying, could I just pray with you? And could we invite Jesus into this situation? Do you know Jesus wants to blow your mind and he wants to give you stories of crazy supernatural things that happen that only he could do because you were just simply open to letting him do that. I want to pray for such a release of the supernatural presence of God in this community that everywhere we go, they're running into Christian people that love the Lord and, and aren't hesitating to stop and pray for somebody or love somebody, touch somebody. How about this formula? The church plus the marketplace equals transformation. We will never see this region transformed, as Jesus said in Matthew 28. I mean, you know, we're called to disciple cities and states and nations. You will never see the transformation of entire region if you don't touch the marketplace. The marketplace is the economic engine of the community. You have to touch the marketplace. And can I just tell you something? What we're doing right here, right now, is incredibly dangerous because the devil knows this. And I have seen in my years of ministry, there's nothing more volatile than trying to get marketplace people to do kingdom business together. I've seen more deals go bad. We've had a church split over marketplace division. And the devil, every time that happens, the devil wants to say, don't do that again. And you know what I do? Oh, no, we're going to do it again. We're just going to learn from what we did wrong the first time. You know, when I ran for office and, and, you, and you get slimed and attacked, the devil says, yep, you're never going to run again. And I go, oh, no, I'll probably run again, and this time I'll be ready for it. But I'm not going to stop quitting because the greater the resistance you have, the more relevant you are. And so don't ever interpret opposition like somehow we're missing God. No, opposition means you're right in the sweet spot of what God's doing. We are contending for a marketplace that's moving in the Holy Spirit and in the power of God because we cannot reach the region and the call that God has on us in this region until the marketplace is fully under the control and dominion of Jesus. Uh, that is the economic lifeblood of our community, and it's the economic lifeblood of any ministry. Let me end with this, and then we're going to do some business. How many of you know Moses in Egypt is a picture of Jesus going to deliver God's people from the world? And I want you to see something. When, when God said through Moses, let my people go, that they may, the word there in the Hebrew is avodah or abad, it's the root word, that they may work and serve and worship me. I want you to hear that. Let my people go, that they may work and serve and worship me. And what was Pharaoh's response? First of all, he said, I don't know your God, and uh, I'm not playing around. And what happened next? And then, then after the Lord put a little divine pressure on him, raised the misery index, 
Moses said, let my people go, and this is what he said. All right, the guys can go. So here's the first step. The first step is the enemy wants to stop you from personally getting a hold of this message and personally saying, I'm going to try to go down this journey. And there's a lot of reasons why. And, and I appreciate, Walter, you made the comment. You said there's some people that come to these conferences, and they go, yeah, let's make Jesus Lord. And the whole team's like, no, we worked hard. This is our business. We're Christians. This is our business. I don't want Jesus touching this business. And I hope that some of you don't walk away and just go, you know what, I don't know if I'm in for all of this. Because let my people go means God wants you out of Egypt personally. Remember the second compromise? And I appreciate Hotam preaching for me in action. The second compromise was uh, we're taking the women and children. He said, no, you're not taking your kids. Just you guys go. And he said, no, no, the women and children are going. How many of you know God wants to take your family on this journey? This is a multi-generational journey you're on of blessing, not just you. Blessing your marriage and your seed and your seed seed. How many of you would like to pass your business on to your kids and your grandkids? And we got three generations of electrical business right here. Two, two generations sitting right here. What an incredible demonstration of the kingdom of God. And what incredible potential as the anointing is multiplied with every generation for what's been passed down. So, so this, is, this is a divine moment, Garrett, for you. I mean, to really be all in. The third compromise. Listen. Alright, you can go. Take your wife. Take your kids. Are you ready for this? Leave the livestock behind. Let me translate that for you, because I don't know if any, we have any farmers in here, herders, goat, goatsmen or something like that, pig farmers. Let me translate that. Leave the business alone. Leave the marketplace with me in Egypt. And God said, nope, I want it all. I want you. I want your wife. I want your kids, and I want your business. It's all coming out of Egypt. In other words, God wanted to bring it into the, the fruit of the promised land where the supernatural blessing was. And I tell you this, God's not trying to steal your business. He's trying to multiply your business. But he does want it all. He wants it all. And, and only God can demand it all because he's worthy of it all. And so this is not just, y'all come, we're going to say a general prayer this is what I want to do I want you in your heart of hearts to pause at the end of this amazing day and ask this question are you willing to go on this journey of really truly giving Jesus all of you giving Jesus your marriage your kids and giving Jesus permission to be the leader of your business which is really his business but he's letting you run it are you willing to relinquish and make that journey because if you are this is a holy moment and, and you know when I was ordained there's not that you have to have a certain posture or anything like that but you know I knelt down before the Lord and people gathered around me and they laid hands on me and they prayed over me and they blessed me because I knew I was putting a stake in the ground because that's what really what a call is when you understand the call of God on your life you drive a stake in the ground and you recognize you know from this day forward my life is not my own my business is not my own. And, you know, I remember that day when they prayed over me. I remember that market share conference. I remember the teaching that day. And I remember that was a day of revelation and insight for me. And from that day forward, I said, Lord, I don't know how to do this, but you're going to teach me and you're going to show me. But I want to submit my life to you. 
That is a catalytic moment. And so what we're asking to happen right now, we're asking of the Holy Spirit, is that as you would say, Lord, take this endeavor into a whole other dimension. I give it to you, that God will give you the supernatural wisdom, that God's favor will be released, that God will, will seal that deal today. And as we lay hands on you and commission you, here's what we're doing. We're commissioning you as a partner in ministry. We're recognizing the anointing on your life and the calling on your life for the marketplace. And it's a powerful thing. So I want you to do some business with the Lord just right where you're at. I want uh, Walter and Madonna to join me. I want my wife Marion to join me. And I'm just, I'm just inviting our, our pastors here because we're, the, we're pulpit minister. We're the, we're, we're the church. We want to pray and bless the marketplace today. We, we want to release the full blessing. Uh, of uh, the church and in particular of Living Stones. I know everybody might not be members of Living Stones, but we just, if you're not, that's fine. We just want to bless you. But the altars are open, and if you just want to simply say, Lord, take me, take my business, uh, I just want you to stand here as a sign of submission or kneel, whatever you want to do, but just humble yourself before God. And we, we just want to walk up and down this aisle and lay hands on you, and we just want to pray over you, all right? And some of you might come in, in streams, all right? You never doesn't have to come at one time, but, but we want to begin to pray for you. All right? Everybody got that instruction? Thank you. Thank you, Lord.